I was planning on preaching from Luke chapter 18, but my buddy Bob Vanderhaar is here tonight. So Revelation chapter 20. No, I'm just kidding you, Bob. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's right. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I was thinking about calling the message tonight uh, X plus one equals four. But instead, I'm calling it show your work. Show your work from Luke 18. Um, sometimes uh, in Jesus' parables, and this is a parable in Luke 18, a couple of them, but uh, in uh, Jesus' parables, once in a while, he uses a bad guy to make his point. And I'm reminded of the servant uh, you know, the unjust servant that uh, was going to lose his job and so he's trying to figure out a way to connive into getting another job, you know, and Jesus had a point about that and he used the bad guy as an example. And, and in this first parable in chapter 18, <clears throat> he does the same thing. And so we're just going to look at that and we're going to see uh, uh, what I think is a, a, a main point that's uh, to be gained here. So we'll open in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, the folks that are here. We thank you, Lord, for... Uh, for giving us salvation, for giving us your spirit, for giving us your word, uh, for bringing us together. And we thank you for our fellowship with one another. We thank you for uh, the working that you're doing in our lives, Lord. And we thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you're concerned about our lives, Lord. And I pray that we would uh, just learn something tonight. Help me, Lord, to learn something tonight. It's going to help me walk closer to you, depend on you more, and trust you more. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. We'll just read through it very quickly. It says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Um, there's a pretty, uh, what occurs to me to be a pretty straightforward outline uh, in the book, and I'm just going to kind of, I'm in this in this parable, and I'll just kind of just go down go down through here just to sort of introduce us to these folks just a little bit. Um, uh, but I, I kind of divided this in two. I have the I call it the sinners of the parable, and I call it that for a reason. Uh, the sinners of the parable and the sovereign of the parable. Uh, and in first we see the sinners of the parable, and and uh, we're going to look at those in uh, in verse two. It says um, there was in a city a judge which feared not God neither regarded man. We see an unjust judge. Uh, and I, I really don't know what else to say about him. It's pretty straightforward. He feared not God, neither regarded man. Doesn't seem like much of an example for the Lord to point to. But there's something about him that the Lord does point to uh, when you put uh, uh, someone crying out for help in the mix. Um, there's a point that the Lord makes. But he's an unjust judge. He fears not God, neither regarded man. And the only, honestly, the only thing I can, I, I, personally, 
I think that the uh, second part is probably a little better, uh, a little better notion. The idea of regarding man. I think sometimes maybe we regard, we regard man, his station, his, uh, his position, his popularity. I mean, my goodness, a, a, a political election anymore is just about a popularity contest. And, um, and uh, from that respect, you know, maybe we should be a little less in the regarding man department. Um, but, uh, but this idea of fearing God, fearing not God, um, I don't know anything more about this judge than, what, than that statement right there. And I just apply to myself and I say, is there any way where that describes me? Is there any thought that I have in my life? Is there any action that I have? Is there any way I treat people, the way I treat my family, my coworkers or whatever, that, uh, that someone would look at that and they would say, well, he's not a God-fearing man. Um, I think about God-fearing in the, same, in the same vein as I think about saying someone is godly. You know, I, in my own personal opinion, um, that's, not a, uh, that's not a title that you throw around loosely in talking about someone. When you say someone's godly, you're saying a mouthful, uh, maybe even a Bibleful. And, um, and so I personally don't throw that around. Um, and with that in mind, I don't know that I can think of of uh, too many people uh, in my life that I would that I would feel comfortable saying that's a godly person, and that's not being haughty or insulting. That's just you know how I feel about it. And I kind of I kind of look at this as the same way when it comes to this idea of God fearing. That's a mouthful to say someone's God fearing, and uh, and so the only thing that I would want to say at this point is uh, for you and me uh, thoughts that I'm thinking in this passage um, uh, is. Uh, is do I fear God or am I someone like this unjust judge who does not fear God? Uh, just something to, to think about. Uh, but anyhow, this idea of the sinners of the parable, I call them the actors, by the way. I kind of got off my little outline. It's kind of, it's uh, anyhow, Bob, you'll like it, outline. You know, the actors, I've got to alliterate it for Bob, the actors, the unjust judge, and then there's the, under, the unappreciated widow. The unappreciated widow. In verse 3a, it says, there was a widow in that city. And she came unto them saying, avenge me of my adversaries, and he would not. Kind of got ahead there, but that's why I consider her, you know, uh, unappreciated. This man's job is to, uh, to render righteous judgment. He's got one job. Render righteous judgment. And this lady came to him for some righteous judgment. And he would not, it says later, which is the word for wishing or wanting. He didn't want to. That's something to think about. Why would you not want to render justice to a widow? Uh, but, but he would not. But she's the unappreciated widow. And I just wanted to point out from that, that that I don't know if you, someone here tonight, feels unappreciated. But, uh, but if there's anybody that feels unappreciated, I just want you to know, and I just get this from this passage, that God appreciates you. Your heavenly Father appreciates you. He cares about you. In a passage of Scripture in the Psalms, I believe it refers to him as his ear being bent to our prayers. He's leaning over, waiting for us to come to him. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to commune with him. He wants us to spend time with him. And he's, he's sitting on his throne like this. And uh, I, I think that's an indication that that our father appreciates. He appreciates us as his children. And, uh, and this lady here, the, and these two actors, 
uh, in this passage. The actors were the unjust judge and the unappreciated widow. Uh, and then we see the actions that we see here. We're just going to move through here quickly uh, to get to uh, a main point. We see the actions here in, in 3B. It says, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary, avenge. Uh, you know, and, and we could loosely say render judgment, but it's really more like vindicate. Vindicate. In that idea of avenging, it's not so much that we would think of in the sense of getting vengeance on, but it's more along the lines of vindicating, like making a righteous judgment. And that's all she's wanting from him. You're a judge. You're a judge of God's chosen people, we assume. You're a judge of God's chosen people, and I want you to render righteous judgment. I'm coming to you for righteous judgment. She came to him and saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. She wanted to be vindicated. Her action was asking for vindication. His action was, uh, we see in 4A here, it says, and he would not for a while. He didn't want to. His actions were, he would not. He would not render righteous judgment. He would not apparently even listen to the lady. I don't know why that would be. The Lord doesn't say. And, you know, my understanding of parables is, you know, you kind of want to be careful not to get too much, as I like to say, not too much in the mud because the point is not, is not the, to break down all the individual things of a parable. But there's a point to be made. And hopefully we see that. So that's why I'm going through here just highlighting this. Uh, unjust judge and an unappreciated widow, uh, they had some actions they wanted taken. Uh, she wanted to be vindicated and he wouldn't do his job. As a judge, he wouldn't do his job. And then, and, and I, I did this just for Bob, the acquiescence. I had to find an A somewhere. We see her steadfastness in 5B. It says, he said, yet because, excuse me, yet because this widow troubleth me. She kept troubling him. She kept coming to him. She was persistent. He even goes on to say, um, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And it's funny, um, I, I don't know why this is, um, but that word uh, that's translated weary, it's a word that means to be, to be hit under the eye. <laughs> I find that interesting. That's how he viewed her coming to him. Because she, she just comes here and she just keeps beating on me. She keeps beating. She keeps knocking. Does that sound familiar? We're going to talk about that in a minute. She was steadfast in going to the judge to have righteous judgment rendered, which is what she should have gotten. She kept coming. He kept not wanting to for some reason, and she kept coming, this unrighteous judge. We see then this idea of acquiescence. We see her steadfastness and we see his surrender. And I'll just read through here. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, he, at least he knows it, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. He gave up. He gave in and he rendered judgment. This unjust judge who did not fear God, decided to do what was right because she kept pestering him. She kept punching on him. She kept coming to him and pressing her point. And finally, he just, out of frustration and just exhaustion, just gave up and said, here, and rendered righteous judgment. 
And then the Lord says something in verse 6. Seems like a strange thing to me for the Lord to say, and I'm just going to put it that way, no more than that. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. I don't think it's very often in the Bible that the Lord tells us to listen to an unjust person. He says, listen to this unjust judge. Hear what he's saying. Did you hear what he said? I can't help but wonder uh, when, when the Lord gives a parable, sometimes if his parables aren't based on real events. I think sometimes they are. I don't know about this one. Um, but he said that hear what the unjust judge saith. Listen to him. What did he say? He gave in. He gave in to her because of her steadfastness. And so I call that the sinners in the parable. The reason why I said that is because obviously the unjust judge, that man we would call him, biblically speaking, we would say that man was a sinner. Uh, but I think it's important to, to point out that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even this dear widow lady that was, that was seeking for justice, she's a sinner. Uh, and I just think it's important for us as believers, uh, not that we focus on that, but that we just understand that, uh, that we are sinners too. Having that aspect of humility. And so those are the sinners of the parable. Then we see the sovereign of the parable, and it's a little bit in reverse. We saw the actors, the actions, and the acquiescence, and we see that in reverse as we look, as we go on further. The sovereign. And I would like to point out that the judge is not the sovereign. Jesus used a parable here. This judge, we might say this political appointee, maybe this politician, he's not, he's not the sovereign. No politician, no judge, no political appointee, nobody is the sovereign but God. And I just wanted to say that because I want to praise him because that one, that sovereign, that one that spoke and universe was created, um, he's my father. And he's your father too. Just wanted to point that out. This sovereign, we see in this, when we look through here, that this sovereign, first of all, we see his acquiescence. In verse eight, here, and I, I didn't write the verses down in my notes, so I'm going to try to not mess this up. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. In verse 7, he says, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Shall he not avenge his own elect? If an unjust judge is going to, is going to vindicate a lady seeking righteous judgment, how much more will the sovereign of the universe vindicate his children who cry out to him? He acquiesces to us. We certainly don't deserve it. We don't merit God's forgiveness. We don't merit his grace. We don't merit him allowing us to live or allowing us our hearts to beat or our brains to work right. We don't merit that. But our heavenly father cares about us. And he's more righteous than an unjust judge, that's for sure. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? That's his acquiescence. He avenges his own. That's what he does. The action, as we go backwards, though he bears long with them. And I just wanted to highlight that for a minute. Because the truth is, and I think we all uh, feel or think this way from time to time, and that's that uh, we... We have things that we pray about. And we think we're praying right. We think we're praying according to the scriptures. And maybe we are. But it just doesn't seem like God is, is doing anything about our prayers. 
It doesn't seem like he's answering our prayers. Sometimes he even does that which is opposite of what we were anticipating. And my mind goes to when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and, and it was filling with water and they turned to Jesus. I always thought this was interesting. They turned to the Lord and said, Master, don't you care about us? Carest thou not that we perish? What were they doing? They were going to Jesus for help. What did he do? He got up and said, peace be still, and the storm disappeared. Now, at this point, I would expect the disciples to say, thank you, Lord. But they didn't. What did they do? Do you remember what their response was? They were afraid. Well, I've often wondered, why were they afraid? He asked, they asked him for help, and he helped them. But I think they were afraid because they wanted him to grab a bucket and help them bail. And he made the storm go away. God doesn't answer our prayers like we think he should. Yeah. And sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers when we think he should. Though he, I, 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 I want that not to be or not to sound to anyone like a rebuke. I want that to sound like an encouragement because that's how I'm taking it and that's how I'm reading it. My heavenly father shall avenge his own though he bear long with them. Even in the book of Revelation, I read about the souls that were beheaded during the tribulation period crying out and saying, how long, O Lord, before you avenge us? Though he bears long with them, the unjust judge, he bears long for selfish reasons. Maybe even we bear long as humans for selfish reasons. But the righteous sovereign, he, he bears long for divine purposes. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. You may have a need. You may have a great need. And I just want to encourage you that the Lord will vindicate you in your prayer. In your right, particularly your righteous prayer for him. He'll vindicate you, though he, though he bears long. That's the action here. And then, of course, the actor. I call it here the unhindered God. Why do you say that? We, we, we look down here, it says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Our Lord may bear long when it comes to answering our prayers or working in a situation in our lives that we're in. He may bear long, but when he acts, when it's time, he acts speedily. He's unhindered. When it's time for him to declare righteous judgment, it is declared and nothing stops it. That's our God. He's an unhindered God, the sovereign of the parable. So that's really the outline of those verses. That's kind of like the introduction. And then the body is really short. Yeah. I made this little note. I guess you didn't notice. I didn't, of course, I just said that. I guess you didn't notice I didn't expound much on the above. But that's because I haven't gotten to the point yet. No, no, I'm, I'm, no, it's, it's right there. Okay, class. There's a chalkboard here. This is Algebra 1. I, didn't, I used to be a math teacher. I don't know if you knew that. Um, algebra one. And, um, and a, a simple problem we want to solve for X. 
And at this point, half the class goes, but that's not a number. How do you add a number to a letter? Uh, yeah. And then the smart kids, they get it right away. Um, and so it says, over, my, my first problem is X plus one equals four. X plus one equals four. Now, what are we supposed to do, class? Solve for X. No, 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 no cheating. We're supposed to solve for X. All right, what do we do? How do we solve for X? Well, we want X on one side of the equation, and we want everything else on the other side, equal sign. All right, so I've got X plus 1 equals 1. Well, X is not by itself. It has a plus 1. And so what do I have to do to get X by itself? I have to subtract 1 from this side. And I tell my class, I used to tell them, and what you do to one side? Very good. And so I do minus 1 over here, and over here I have minus 1. And then... Because you remember the name of the sermon? Show your work? We're showing our work. So I draw this big line, okay? And so I have X plus 1 minus 1. Well, what's 1 minus 1? 0. So I move it down. So I have X plus 0 equals, and what's 4 minus 1? 3. Actually, I think we're supposed to write 4 minus 1 because we're showing our work. 4 minus 1. X plus zero equals four minus one. What's X plus zero? X. What's four minus one? Three. So we have our answer in like four steps on the easiest algebra problem in the book. X equals three. We showed our work. Now here's what the smart kids do. They give me their paper and the problem says X plus one equals four and underneath that it says X equals three. And I say, you didn't show your work. And they're like, but, but, but this is silly, Mr. Sheely. It, it, I can tell what it is. Yeah, and I would remind them, I know you can tell what it is. But what happens when the problem is 3x squared minus 11x plus 4 equals 0? Can you look at it then and tell me what it is? What if it's a calculus size problem and it's the integral from A to B of x squared? Can you, tell me what, can you look at it and tell me what it is then? That's why you show your work. See, you show your work when it's easy so that you understand the process for when it gets hard. That's why you show your work. And the point of this parable is way back in verse 1. I don't know if you noticed that I just zipped right past it when I read it. That was a maneuver. Verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them, to this end, this is the reason the Savior is talking right here. Here's his reason. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Always to pray. Always to pray. In everything pray. For everything pray. Always. That's what always means. Always. Now see, my problem is when something really bad happens, and we have something kind of bad going on in our family, something really bad happens, and we're like, bam, we are on our knees crying out to God. But when I'm just kind of waiting for a customer to pay me, well, I'm just waiting. Or I got a little problem at work, well, I'll figure it out. I'm not showing my work. I'm not showing my work. Men are always to pray. I made notes, little things and big things, good things and bad things, peaceful things and troubling things, 
finances, marriage, children, jobs, politics, health, safety, big and small and everything in between. We ought always to pray. When the problems are simple and easy, pray. Why? Because God is showing you the process of how he works in your life. So when the problems are calculus level, we can trust him. And we're praying. We're praying to him. Men ought always to pray. And not to do what? To faint. To faint. To be discouraged. We ought not to be discouraged. We ought not to lose heart. We ought not to sound like Winston Churchill, give in. We ought not to give up. I know that sounds like pep rally stuff, but that's what my Savior's saying right here. My Savior, my savior is giving us a pregame speech. He's saying men ought always to pray and not to faint. And what happens with these smart kids in my math class that don't want to show their work and the problem gets hard and they want to quit because they didn't show their work. They didn't work through the process and learn the way the math works so when it got harder, they could do it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to show our work. He wants us to pray to him and cry out to him and call out, call out to him and to glorify him and thank him and praise him when it's good and when it's easy and when it's peaceful. So when it gets harder, we understand how he works. We understand that he cares for us. We see how he works in our lives. We see how he's faithful to us. We see how he loves us. We see how he answers the prayers, even though they're not always the way we want him to. Show your work so that you don't give in and give up and be discouraged and lose heart. That is not what... Are you here tonight and you were discouraged or you are losing heart or fainting? Is there something that's troubling you? You ought always to pray so that you wouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, uh, this parable to me reminds me of another parable that we know about where, remember the fellow had someone visiting. This is earlier in the Lord's ministry. See, right now we're near the end of the Lord's ministry and earlier near the beginning of his ministry, um, he gave a parable of a guy who had a visitor come and he goes, hey, I don't have anything to feed him. And he goes to his neighbor and says, hey, can you wake up? Can you give me some bread? I got somebody to come. I don't have anything to feed him. And he's like, go away. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in bed. And he's like, no, wake up. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Come on, get up. And I know he did that because of that word, importunity. Remember that word? Importunity. It means shamelessness. We knew, remember, remember Louise? We knew a lady that uh, she was the definition of shamelessness. But anyhow, that's another time. Wake up. Come on. I got it. God, you get up, 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 up. Come on, come on, come on. Pound it on the door and the guy gets up, gets a break. Get out of here. Just like this. I think it's interesting to point out that Jesus gave that parable to them at the beginning of their ministry when all they were doing was getting dirty looks. And maybe some people were saying, get out of here. Or taking their tracks and throwing them down. But now we're at the end of his ministry. And he's giving a similar parable to them. Because now they're facing betrayals. And arrests. And trials. And beatings. And deaths. He told them a parable way back then. When it was easy. So they could show their work. And now he's reminding them again, men ought always to pray and not to faint. 
Show your work. And I just want to point out as I'm concluding here, uh, in verse 8, it says again, I tell you that, and this is, yeah, this is, yeah, conclusion. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And I'm telling you what, if we talk about this being, if I got a copy of God's word in my hands, I just read something that was completely unambiguous, unlike what I just said. It was clear as crystal. He, this is Jesus talking about the father. He will avenge them speedily. You are always to pray. We are always to pray about everything. Do you believe that? Have you experienced that with God in your prayer life? Have you shown your work when the problems were easy and you've seen how God has worked in your life throughout your life and when things get hard, you know you can depend on him? You still may have a burden you still may be concerned you're a human person. But have you learned through showing your work in prayer that God is faithful? Because that's what he wants ultimately as we conclude at the end of verse 8. He says, Jesus said, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Because we talk about what is prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? Prayer is showing our dependence on God. Well, why would we have dependence on God? Because we believe him to be dependable. We have faith in him. We exercise faith in him because he's shown himself faithful to us as we've shown our work in prayer. And I would just encourage you tonight as I try to encourage myself with whatever it is that you're facing, whatever you're, you're in, a, you're in a good place tonight. You're in a room full of God's children who care for one another, who believe God's word, who probably have their own sets of problems. Probably have their own sets of problems. And we can spend time in prayer with one another about everything, big and small, to the end that he would find faith at Crossroads Baptist Church when we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this short uh, passage and uh, we thank you for what it teaches us and I pray as we go to prayer tonight, Lord, I pray that you would just do a work in our heart, a work of resolve, a work of not giving up, not giving in, not fainting, you know, not being discouraged, not being disheartened. Help us, Lord, to look to you in faith because of your promise that you will avenge our prayers and we thank you and praise, praise you for it in Jesus' name, amen.